Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Frymouth. Happy Valentine's Day. I feel like this is a very divisive holiday. Either you love it or you hate it. For me, it doesn't actually mean that much. Um, I don't think I've ever had any particularly stellar Valentine's Days, but I also, val- Valentine's Day, Valentine Days, Valentine's Days plural of Valentine Day. But I also have not had any like horrific or awful ones. So I'm I kind of fall right there in the middle. There's good memories of making those little mailboxes that we had to do in like elementary school so you could exchange valentines and passing out those little store-bought cardboard ones or I think I actually made handmade ones many years just construction paper and hearts and messages and of course the little little candy hearts with their little silly messages so I think it can be a lot of fun especially when combined with an international element as we are going to talk about today in honor of the holiday we're going to look at dating customs around the world there are As a lot of us probably know, dating can be a wild, wild ride, even in your own country and your own culture. So it's fun to take yourself out of the box, out of that perspective sometimes, and look at how it's done around the world in other countries. And full disclosure, I am not from any of these countries that I'm going to talk about. I've never participated in any of these customs, so hopefully the internet did not lead me astray. Of course, I tried to cross-reference these traditions in as many different places as possible to make sure that they are probably true, at least. But if you are from any of these countries and have firsthand experience with this, I would love to hear about it. And also, as usual, I'm not... I don't want to look at these as sort of like a fishbowl ogling weird traditions from around the world. I just think... Countries are fascinating, and I love that things are done differently in different places and how different traditions maybe evolved over time and are still totally normal within the context of that culture and those people. I mean, you could pick anything from your own country, your own culture, and it could be very, very strange if you look at it from an outside lens as well. So again, not trying to like point a finger at any of these and say, how strange is that? Just more appreciation for the diverse array of courtship rituals that humanity has developed around the world. So without further ado, we are jumping into an engagement tradition from Fiji. Now, in most Western countries, and probably around the world at this point, it's traditional to propose marriage with an engagement ring. However, in Fiji, it is traditional to propose with a polished tooth of a sperm whale called tambua. Again, I hope I'm saying that right. I did look up these pronunciations. It's spelled T-A-B-U-A, but the pronunciation I found includes like an M sound, tambua. So like I said, a tambua is the polished tooth of a sperm whale, and tambua are significant in Fijian culture in general, not just for engagements. They are given as gifts of esteem or like apology if you're atoning for something. They are important in negotiations between rival chiefs. So they are these really valuable um, artifacts that have a great deal of importance in the culture. So it makes sense that they might be associated with something like marriage or getting engaged. They are generally associated with good luck and sometimes thought to even have supernatural powers. And 
Traditionally, when you die, dead men would be buried with their tambua, along with other things like war clubs, to help them in the afterlife. So again, really, really important item in this culture, and they are traditionally given to, I read in many places, the father of the bride or the father of the woman that the man is proposing to, not necessarily the woman herself, as is the case in many cultures around the world, patriarchal cultures. But this is something that still goes on today. And I read a lot of articles that say that men from Fiji will invest in these tambua, these sperm whale teeth throughout their lives, trying to collect as many as possible so that they have the most impressive request or gift (laughs) uh, to their bride when they want to get engaged. And many of them again, will throughout their lives collect these even if they are not in a relationship, even if they don't yet have someone to whom they're hoping to propose. It's sort of a future investment that you make. And they can cost hundreds or even thousands of dollars for a single tooth. And there are many fakes floating around today that are made out of plastic. I saw a couple of articles on how to tell the fake from the real thing. Most notably, you just hold a flame up to it and if it is plastic, it will melt. If it is an actual sperm whale tooth, it will not melt. So if you are ever in a serious relationship in Fiji, you might prepare yourself to give or get a tooth of a whale for your engagement. And from Fiji, we are traveling to Mexico. Now, for all of these traditions, I tried to pick ones that were still current. uh, Because again, if you (laughs) were already looking around the world, if you open the door up to all of history, then the number of unusual culture traditions just skyrocket. So I wanted to keep everything current. This is the only one that's a little bit antiquated, but it does seem like it still happens occasionally. Um, And maybe the tradition is kept alive in some ways, but it's not like super common. And this is courtship whistling. This is something that started among the Kickapoo people of Mexico. And as with the tambua in Fiji, the courtship whistling or whistling in general as a means of communication is not specific to dating, but it is a large part of that situation. But in general, there is this whistled speech that became prevalent among the Kickapoo tribe of Texas and Mexico. So The idea is basically that you can communicate by whistling. It was this transformation of Spanish into a musical language. And originally it was played on a flute, but by 1915 it had become something that you could just whistle, you know, with your mouth. Um, And it became especially prevalent among young people who were dating and wanted to be able to communicate without their parents understanding them. They could use these whistles to communicate actual phrases like I'm thinking of you or come here or like I'm waiting or things like that. But I also read that individual couples would form their own special whistle. So like their their means of identifying each other amongst the whistles. And supposedly it was really popular at like sundown, you know, when all these couples were probably meeting or trying to meet, you would hear all these whistles coming from around the village, which sounds really cool. I think that's a fun way. I mean, now getting whistled at on the street is not a great thing, Um, but this sounds like a really fun way of communicating with someone that you're into or you're dating, just like a very fun aspect of maybe like teenage or young person dating life in Mexico. Again, I don't think this is something that is very prevalent today, but it does seem like it is a tradition that is still alive. It's still around. 
it's just probably not as useful as it used to be before we had cell phones. Now we can just text each other to meet up. But in Mexico, we have the courtship whistling. From Mexico, flying around the globe to China. This is definitely a current situation in China. Now, I think there is actually a lot to be said about dating in China. I read a lot about the family involvement in young people's dating life in China and like the pressure to get married and patriarchal values and heteronormative values of of young people being pushed to get married and have children and things like that. So there's a lot going on in the Chinese dating scene, I think. But what we are specifically looking at are romance schools, dating schools in China, mostly geared at men because around the world, typically women outnumber men a little bit. It's usually pretty evenly split, but there's slightly more women. In China, it's backwards because of their traditional one-child policy. So if you could only have one child and you lived in a patriarchal society, you wanted to have a boy, which led to tons of abortions of girl babies. Um, And now that is biting them in the butt that they have a very mismatched population with way too many men and too few women. So women basically have their pick of partners in China, from what I understand. Again, I'm I'm simplifying. I'm joking. It is a, a big problem, but it's a lot easier for a woman to find someone to date than it is for a man in China. Um, as of a few years ago, there were 30 some million more men than women, which is a huge difference. So in order to give guys a leg up in the dating scene, these romance schools have sprung up to basically teach guys how to be catches, how to make themselves a better catch in the dating market. They teach everything from like personal grooming, fashion, they give haircuts, they teach you know, how to flirt, how to get phone numbers, uh, dancing lessons, conversation practice, body language, and even uh, help you curate your social media profile. So they do these, they fix you all up and get your, get your clothes and your hair and everything looking good, and then do these photo shoots and then help you curate your social media profile. The New York Times article I read on this called An Education in Day. An education in dating talked about one school where the class was started by the teacher holding up a woman's dating app profile, a real profile, that got 7,000 likes and basically told the guys, how are you going to compete with that? (laughs) Which is true. Um, So these... These classes, these courses go from anywhere from about $30 for an online class to $4,500 for one-to-one lessons with a teacher. This is just wild. This is bizarre to me. And I do, I think it's very interesting and I think there's a lot to be said for self-improvement or, you know, learning things like dancing. And as an introvert, I'm all for practicing conversation and things like that, but There's definitely an edge to this that comes off a little bit like pickup artists, um, which is a whole other thing that I don't really want to get into because I don't like it very much and it kind of makes me sick to my stomach. But some of these articles that I read and videos that I watched about this, you know, you can call it dating, but to some extent they're just trying to teach guys how to pick up girls. Um, And so 
you get all this real practice in class and you, you know, shine yourself up and all of that. And then they actually take you like out in the field, quote unquote, and you try to get phone numbers and they, the teachers give you feedback and advice and tell you what you did well and maybe why you failed and all of that stuff. So that's where it really delves into like the ickiness and the pickup artistry and all of that. But if you are in the dating scene in China, you may attend a romance school or a dating school. All right, pivoting wildly. We are going all the way across the board here. We are going now to Niger. This seems to be a very traditional festival or very traditional practice, but it is something, as far as I can tell, again, that is still happening. So it is current, but it's also something with maybe more historical or traditional roots. In Niger, they have a festival called Girwal spelled G-U-E-R-E-W-O-L, is an annual courtship ritual competition amongst the Wudabe Fula tribe. It is overall a celebration of love and beauty, and I did see in many places that physical beauty is prized among these people, so it is a celebration of that, and there's lots of like dressing up and really trying to make yourself stand out and make yourself beautiful, which is a large part of it. So this whole festival is the men uh, competing for women's affection, sort of putting themselves on display in hopes that they will be noticed or they will be chosen by the women in attendance. And these people are nomadic, so they travel around quite a bit, and this event serves as like a coming together for all of the different groups. There is one main famous gathering for this. I got the impression that it does happen maybe in multiple different places, but there's one big one called Ingal, which is in northwest Niger, and it is a week-long event. It takes place in September at the end of the rainy season. And like I said, it's also a big event for just coming together and other things as well. It's a big salt market. There are clan meetings that take place. So basically just a big gathering, but this gear wall, this courtship ritual, is one prominent thing that happens as well. So young men dress up, they paint their faces, they wear lots of makeup. I saw that a lot of the colors and the brightness are to accentuate facial features and really show off like the whiteness of the teeth and things like that. And they're dressed up, they're painting their faces, wearing feathered headpieces to appear taller and again just like elaborate and they perform dances to attract the attention of young women. So overall, this actually is a competition, kind of like the equivalent of maybe like a beauty pageant we would think of today, where there is a winner. So there there are judges watching this, and they do pick a winner. But overall, they're also just hoping to stand out for the women who are watching. There are also other events that happen within this gear wall. So there's the main dancing and uh, dressing up sort of aspect of it. There are also other competitions, maybe including camel races or other things. I also saw bartering over dowries. So if you do get engaged, maybe the actual negotiations of the process go down at this event as well. So there are a whole lot of things happening. And we are rounding this out with a short and sweet little note from Croatia. While in Fiji, you may be proposed to with a sperm whale tooth in Much of the world you may be proposed to with a diamond ring. In Croatia, you traditionally would be proposed to with coins pressed into an apple, an apple with coins in it. And if you 
again, traditionally as the woman, accepted this apple with coins in it, you are engaged. I couldn't find anything about how this came about or the history of it or or any other information other than just the basic coins in an apple, but if that is true, that is delightful and I'm actually really curious about how that developed. I mean, we have money with the coins, we have maybe fertility or beauty or something with the apple, but so it's not it's not totally uh, out of left field, but it is an interesting tradition. Before we completely wrap this episode up, I wanted to bring up a really fun story. You might remember a while back, I talked to Rachel from Trail of the Wanderlust. We talked about her experience traveling around the world as a Latina woman, living abroad in France, doing a working holiday visa in Australia. And I believe she mentioned in our episode, which I will link to in the show notes, that she met her husband while she was traveling in Australia and she is now living in France with him. So in honor of the holiday, I asked her to tell the story of how they met in Australia and how that all played out with people of two different nationalities meeting in a third country and now living in in France together. So now Rachel is going to tell us the story of how she met her partner. I think I wanted to share the fact that before I went to Australia, all my friends were oh, you're going to find someone over there and you're going to find the love of your life and all these other nice things that they were saying. But I was like, no, you're crazy. I'm not going to Australia for that. I am just going to travel. I'm happy just being solo traveler. I just want to live my life. And I was tired of that because like I had like bad luck in love before. That's right. That or that's what happened. I don't know. So then I went to Australia, I was living my life, exploring everything and doing everything. And towards the end, I posted an ad and then someone replied. And then I, at first I was a bit like apprehensive that it was a guy. But after I thought, why not? Let's go on the trip. Just to summarize this. So we decided to go on the trip and then results that we ended up together. But the funny part is that his friends told him the exact same thing before he left France because he was also single for a very long time and also had bad luck before. And they told him, watch, when you go to Australia, you will find someone. And that's how we found each other. That was so much fun to hear. I love that story. That is definitely a component for a lot of people traveling, you know, thinking of meeting someone or dating when you're in other countries or other cultures or even on the road. Um, I know it's definitely been something that I've thought about. I'm keeping all my stories personal for now, but it's so lovely to hear of something that really worked out like that for both of them in Australia. I'm very happy for them. I hope you have a lovely Valentine's Day and we will be back next week with more tips and travel tricks and all the fun things on going out your door. <music> 